Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Huntworth Gear, high-tech camel wear at a price you can afford. Huntworthgear.com. I'm Dan Small. Today we'll talk about grouse and woodcock hunting this fall with John Steigerwald of the Rough Grouse Society, and we'll learn how some Yankee sturgeon from Wisconsin's Wolf River ended up in several southern rivers in Tennessee, Kentucky, and Georgia. All that and more coming up on Outdoors Radio, so stay right there. It's time now for Madison Outdoors, brought to you by Pappas Trading Post, southern Wisconsin's largest Matthews and Mission archery retailer. They're located just west of Arena at the intersection of Highway 14 and County Highway H. You can also find them online at pappastradingpost.com. You hear this feature every week at this time on WTSO, the Big 1070, and any time at all on our podcast at LakeLink on iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And joining us once again is Pat Hasberg. He's proprietor of DNS Bait, Tackle, and Fly Shop on Northport Drive in Madison. His website is dsbait.com, and you can find him on Facebook at DNS Bait, where he posts a weekly fishing report, and he's also got it on several other platforms. Well, Pat, thanks for joining us. Hey, Dan. Always a pleasure. Good to talk to you again, because you've got your finger on the pulse of what's happening in Madison. I suppose with this cool weather that came in this week, there are some changes. That's right. Uh, as of late last week, we were on the verge of the lakes, at least Lake Mendota, where they have the buoy that monitors the temperatures out there. We were on the verge of the lakes turning over, and as of today, was I didn't get a chance to check yesterday, but uh, the lake has officially turned over now. So. <laughs> It won't be long here before the fishing really, really heat. The fishing's been great all fall, but it's really going to heat up here uh, in, in the next few weeks. For people who don't know what this term means, and those of us who think we do, we bandy it about quite a bit. We talk about turnover. Yeah. What is it? Well, and, you know, I'm certainly no limnologist myself, but essentially in the summertime there is warm water on top and cold water on the bottom, and there's an area called the thermocline, which is the comfortable water in the middle that the fish kind of like to hang out in. Uh, as uh, these cooler weathers, weather we've been having over the fall comes in, it cools that surface temperature down. And then when the surface temperature water reaches the same temperature as the water below it, it uh, you, all you need is one good windy night or day. Uh, and that's what we certainly had here last night. It was very windy last night and today. Um, that warm water that's on top, flips and the cold water comes to the top it stirs up all the sediment in the lake uh so the water gets you know kind of cloudy and can sometimes even smell weird um but um then it, that distributes the sediment throughout the lake and the water is the same temperature from top to bottom and the fish really know that that's the signal that winter is on its way and they move freely about uh, all throughout all depths but uh in particularly out shallow or in the shallow water so uh, basically, the, the lake flips upside down, and uh, everything is set up for, for winter now. Okay, well, you may not be a limnologist, but you play a pretty good one on the radio. <laughs> so <laughs> I do my best, I guess. Why is this good for fishing? You mentioned the temperature's pretty much the same throughout, and 
the fish can go anywhere. So they head shallow, and that makes them more accessible to anglers? Well, yeah, they, you know, they're out chasing uh, bait fish around. A lot of those bait fish are, are trying to enjoy the last bits of warm water, and that warmer water is going to be slightly warmer along shore. Mm. And so the, the, the game fish are chasing the bait fish in where they're uh, being drawn in. So, uh, tip, typically the fish tend to move shallow this time of year. And I mean, it's, it's been happening over the last few weeks. The fish have been, you know, in our reports have been moving shallower anyway, but now this is kind of the trigger, I guess, maybe you'd call it that really all the fish put the feed bag on right now and, and it, the action gets really great right up until ice up. Okay. And what are you hearing then from people who've been fishing? Of course, turnover just started, so maybe they haven't been fishing turnover yet. Well, the thing about turnover is, like I said, the water uh, gets typically very cloudy. I haven't had a chance to check the water myself, and I haven't had a lot of people in the shop today that have been out either. It's kind of miserable temperatures here right now for fishing. So that dirty water tends to slow the fishing down for a couple days right after turnover, but uh, that sediment will settle down, and then we get... um, some really great fishing uh, right up until ice up. People will be hearing this on the weekend, and it's supposed to warm up by then, so that ought to make things actually better for fishing, right? That's right. It'll be a very comfortable weekend to be out there. Uh, The water temps in the lakes are all at the same temperature. Uh, Right now they're right around 55 degrees. While the water may be cold, the fishing should be great from shore and in a boat. It should be really comfortable this weekend. What have you heard from people fishing either Mendota or Monona recently? Well, the walleye bite has been uh, really great, both from shore and out on the mid-lake humps still. The bass bite has also been pretty great along shore. Largemouth bass in the weeds, smallmouth bass in the rocks. The panfish bite uh, continues to be good on the weed lines, so that's a you know a shallower bite there. And um, the pike and musky bite has been really great recently the, the a lot of great musky reports coming out of lakes monona and wabisa and the pike population on the chain has really been fantastic this summer and those fish are hungry a lot of fish in the 20 to 30 inch range but just in the last week i've heard of at least half dozen fish out of the north end of lake mendota here pike in that 40 plus inch range it has to be uh, 40 inches if you want to keep it, and I don't think many people do at that size. Do you think that high size limit has really helped the pike population, at least in terms of you know more big ones for people to catch? Certainly. It, it's really protected those uh, smaller fish, you know, for good and for bad. I know the bass anglers are sometimes kind of frustrated tossing a $10 frog out there only to have it snapped off by a 20 or 30 inch pike, but... We do have a high population of pike in the Madison chain right now, just not Lake Mendota. So it's, it's, there's a couple good year classes out there of those fish. Okay. What are you hearing on down the chain? Oh, well, you know, I mentioned the great musky bite yep. on uh, Monona and Wabisa. The perch bite on Monona and, and Wabisa, actually. The perch bite and bluegill bite on both those lakes along the weed lines has been great. I haven't heard much out of walleyes out of Wabisa, but the bass bite in, in Upper Mud Lake has been good. And some crappies and bluegills coming out of Upper Mud there, too. And Kiganza, I, I heard recently, has just started to turn back on a little bit. So a lot of good action out there. Okay. Anything from Lake Wisconsin? I heard about some uh, folks doing well trolling up there. You know, crankbaits, flicker shads, stuff like that have been pretty effective. And uh, I've heard crappies are starting to move in shallow. Long wood has been good. And uh, even some of the shallow bays have been starting to pick up for panfish out there. 
Now, the trout season ended last Saturday, so it's all over for a few months until it opens in the first week of January. What was trout fishing like near the end? It was fantastic. I'm always sad when the season's over. Trout fishing is kind of my main thing. But, you know, I was out with my son on Saturday, and we had a great day. He got a couple nice fish on hoppers when, when it was still kind of warmish in the afternoon. But then when the evening came, we had some blue-winged olives coming off and even a few caddis, and we had some great action on some mayfly patterns. The fishing's been great. Uh, it's always sad to see the season go, but, you know, they got to protect those brown trout and brook trout that need to spawn here in the fall. So I'm happy to wait it out until January and get back out when things are settled down. Okay. Well, how is your bait supply now that anglers are probably going to be hitting the lakes a little more than they were? Bait supply's been great. We've got musky suckers in, and those are flying out of the tanks, I guess you could say. A lot of musky anglers coming through and picking up those 12- and 14-inch size suckers uh, that they use. You know, a lot of the walleye bite has been on minnows, so walleye fatheads have been doing well. And we have some small pike suckers that offer a little bit of a, a bigger meal for those fish. And smallmouth bass and the walleyes, both of them loving those. And, of course, the pike eat just about everything. Yeah, they do. <laughs> All right. Well, your store hours now that fall is here, have they changed? They have not. We are open 6 to 6 every day, but Sunday we close at 5. All right. Well, Pat, thanks so much for that report. It's uh, an upbeat report, and that's what we like to hear. And we'll catch up with you again a little later in the fall. Thanks so much, Dan. Always a pleasure. You bet. Pat Hasberg, proprietor of DNS Bait Tackle and Fly Shop on Northport Drive. You can hear his complete fishing report every week starting Friday morning on his Facebook page and other platforms as well. You can find him online at dsbait.com and on Facebook at dnsbait. I'm Dan Small, more Outdoors Radio, right after this. Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full-service pro shop, a 40-yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit PappasTradingPost.com. If you're ever in a motor vehicle accident, call Hupie and Abraham, named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupie and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. Call the firm voted best and rated best, Hupie and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit Hupie.com and all 11 offices of Hupie and Abraham in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois are open for business. And the firm of Hupie and Abraham has paid thousands of dollars in cash rewards to help solve crimes in the southeast Wisconsin area. Michael Hupie is the president of Milwaukee Crime Stoppers, and he recently announced he will pay a $25,000 reward for the next anonymous tip that solves a homicide case. So if you've got a tip on an unsolved homicide case, Visit MilwaukeeCrimestoppers.com or call 414-224-TIPS. MilwaukeeCrimestoppers.com is the website. Well, joining me from his home in Wisconsin Rapids, once again, Jeff Kelm. Jeff, welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Dan. And I understand you have a new role, not so much a new job, but an expansion, right? 
Yeah, an expansion. Uh, uh, the company I work for has taken over operations of the National Walleye Tour, along with a, a few other um, uh, events uh, across the country, including the Texas Team Trail and a, a couple of saltwater events that uh, are actually owned by Bass Pro Shops at Cabela's, uh, an extension off of them called Outdoor Teamworks. And, um, but we're going to be running the National Walleye Tour. I am now the tournament director and announcer for that. So, um, you know, the, the top, uh, events in the walleye world, I'm, I'm, uh, I guess I'm the guy in charge now. So with Masters Walleye Circuit, the National Team Championship and the National Walleye Tour. Wow. Does that mean you're going to have a lot more road time and a lot more events this year? <clears throat> well, no, year? not this year. Yeah. No, yeah. 23. Uh, no, it, it, it actually means, uh, um, I have about the same amount, uh, because of scheduling. It was on top of some of the other events that uh, I would typically be doing. And, uh, they've kind of cleared my plate from some of the high school events that I've done, uh, no longer be doing some of those. So, uh, it, it really opens it up for me to be able to solely concentrate on the relationships that we've already built in the the walleye world with host communities and uh and anglers and and really concentrate on running the highest quality events uh that we possibly can uh specifically for walleye anglers fantastic well and if you are not on the road too much more that means you get to spend more time with family uh, getting robert out fishing and hunting and uh, spending time in the garden and all that other good stuff that we enjoy Plenty of stuff to do, yeah. And, and you know, Robert and I had got a chance to sit just another time uh, with the crossbow, trying to get him an opportunity at uh, at a buck here at our house. We've had a few coming through now and then. It's been kind of uh, kind of sporadic, you know. They're they're moving into these weird pre rut patterns, you know. The young bucks don't know what's going on inside their body yet, and and so they just kind of get up and start moving. And if they run into a doe, they tend to push her. And uh, the the big bucks, I think, are still you know, they're still kind of nocturnal, but I think that's about to about to change here real soon, Dan. I think you're right, Jeff. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, those young bucks have just been absolutely nuts. I hit one, as you know. My son John hit one a couple nights later. Uh neighbor's friend or neighbor's son hit one, and uh we've got the meat from all of those deer. So we've already got some venison in the freezer. And uh, the two that I uh, had contact with both passed the CWD test as uh, they don't say they're CWD free, but they say not detected. And that means we sure. can eat them. And uh, that's what I was hoping for. Well, not to beat a dead horse, but um, or a dead walleye, but uh, Runyon and Kaminsky are uh, not your two walleye pros, but the two pros who allegedly stuffed mm-hmm. lead weights in their fish uh, in a recent tournament there in Ohio. They've been indicted. What else has happened? Yeah, so indicted on uh, three felony charges and a misdemeanor charge. Uh, they do have the potential to lose their fishing license uh, indefinitely. Uh, and if they do that, as I mentioned before, it's a reciprocal state. So if they lost their fishing license in Ohio. They would lose it in uh, almost every other state in the nation. Uh, and the other uh, the side of things is those felony charges each 
could uh, put them 12 months in uh, in jail time uh, for each one of those felony charges. So a lot of stuff happening there. Um, you know, we've obviously been keeping an eye on it. Uh, lots of other folks been keeping an eye on it as well. Some of the anglers that they feel, uh, you know, had money stolen from them are, are certainly keeping tabs on it. But, you know, we, we, what we hope for is that, that justice is, is done, that this opens the eyes to people that we're not going to mess around in these walleye tournaments or, or any fishing tournaments for that matter. Uh, cheating does not pay, uh, and, um, and to keep it clean and, and, and fish fair. So. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that's the ultimate outcome of this, that it's uh, kind of an eye-opener for anyone else who might have been thinking, ah, I can get away with a lead sinker or something in a walleye once in a while. Um, it ain't going to happen, folks, so good. And I think they lost a boat and trailer that they had uh, won under questionable circumstances as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I had a good turnout for my talk in West Bend last week. Uh, I talked about 50 years of adventure in Wisconsin's great outdoors, including Outdoor Wisconsin and the work you and I have done on the radio show and a lot of stuff that's happened in between the recording times uh, and some, uh, I guess you could call them outtakes, the, the, the things that never <clears throat> see print or uh, get on video or get reported on the radio. Although we do talk about a lot of some of these loose ends and some of these things that we never re- recorded for TV uh, on the radio show. Um, I understand uh, they recorded that. And if anybody wants to see it, uh, when I get the link, I'll share it. But it was fun. It was a great evening. Saw some folks, Jeff Kelm, or Jeff, you're Jeff Kelm. Jeff Kalo was there with his wife, Sandy. And Lauren Voss and Brad um, Karstead and Linda Fallons came. They brought a whole bunch of people from Sheboygan. And uh, Glenn Helgland and his wife Judy were there, who used to run the Deer and Turkey Expo, and um, uh, some some other folks that uh, I remember from years past. And it was great to see them. It's, it's got to be interesting, Dan, because you've been doing talks like that for, for so, so long, and, and uh, you know, you probably sit yourself up and, you know, in the, imagine yourself back in the 90s when uh, that was really like the, the peak of everything, really the peak of what you were doing as far as uh, outdoor Wisconsin. And, and, you know, you were the guy on TV. And I'm, I know you've heard that before, but uh, I'm not going to say this is twilight years for you in your career, Dan, because you're still going strong. Yeah. But it's got to be interesting. You sitting back when, when they somebody asks you to talk about that much time has gone by. You know, the different stories and, and just the reflection time that you get by just, you know, creating something like that. Well, I really had fun putting it together and then delivering it, too, because, as you say, there are stories and there are things that have happened that uh, that we get a chance to reflect on and talk about. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was great. I, I used over 200, well, about 200 digital images uh, and a little bit of video as well. Uh, the video that I own, I don't own the uh, uh, outdoor Wisconsin stuff, but stuff I've shot on GoPro and on my phone I've got. And uh, it, it was mm-hmm. a fun evening. It really was. And somebody Good. said, you ought to take that on the road. I go, well, I don't know. Maybe I got <laughs> I got to clean it up a little bit. And I mean, it was a, uh, I won't call it, wouldn't call it a dry run, but a first uh, effort, you know, an opening night kind of thing. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a, a few things I would change, but Anyway, it was fun. 
Well, we talked about hunting dogs injured or killed by wolves. I think most of those have been trailing hounds during the bear season, but now that that's over, I think bird hunters should be cautious as well, or anybody walking a dog or with a dog in wolf country. And you've got wolves there, maybe not right in your backyard, but they're in the area where you live uh, around Wisconsin Rapids, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely, Dan. In fact, I was just, uh, you know, uh, I was doing some, um, scouting in the Colburn wildlife area, which is just to the south of me yet. And, uh, you know, back in 2015, there was those two episodes of, of wolves being spotted in there, even, even a couple, you know, uh, uh, opportunities of, uh, you know, unfortunate instances where it seemed like maybe the wolves were being a bit aggressive, but, um, you know, they're around, they, they come through. I don't know that we have any active packs right in the Wisconsin Rapids area right now, but I wouldn't doubt that now and then people catch them on the trail cameras or see them crossing a road now and then. Yep. So pay attention folks. If you've got a dog or if you're just out walking around or hunting. Well, coming up, fisheries biologist Dr. Bernie Kahida tells us how 300,000 sturgeon made the journey from the Wolf River here in Wisconsin down to the Cumberland and Tennessee Rivers in Tennessee. But first, Rough Grouse Society Forest Conservation Director John Steigerwald gives us a snapshot of grouse and woodcock hunting this fall in Minnesota and Wisconsin. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. You wait quietly. But you're getting impatient. It's been two hours and still nothing. You hear it. It's close. You see movement, but you sit tight because safe hunting is no accident. With all different hunting seasons open, your fellow hunters could be in a stand, on the ground, or in a blind. Do not shoot at movement. Be aware of what's in front of your target and what is beyond it. Wisconsin DNR. Adventures and memories. Enjoy Wisconsin's wild side. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the ruffed grouse and American woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN. RGS. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. We at Remy Battery Company want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the past 90 plus years and your continued support of our local family owned company. Stop in and see the expertise of over nine decades of battery knowledge and customer service. Let us take care of the batteries for all of your needs, from power tools to sump pumps and ATVs to hunting decoys, even down to the smallest hearing aids. Big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road, trails, or waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. 
Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full-service pro shop, a 40-yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit PappasTradingPost.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The rough grouse and American woodcock societies are celebrating 60 years of habitat improvement for these two birds and other wildlife that need young forest habitat to thrive. You can learn more at roughgrousesociety.org. And joining us now to talk about grouse and woodcock is John Steigerwald. He's the Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for the societies. John, thanks for joining us and welcome back. No problem. Good to be here. Grouse season's been open for about a month. How's it going? It has been going tough for many people. Uh, the, the grouse and woodcock uh, hunting has been a little bit hard because we've been having some unusually warm weather this fall. The leaves have been sticking to the trees maybe a little bit extra longer. But uh, it seems like with the, the recent uh, cold front we have coming in, that could be over. Yeah, I, I think you're in Minnesota somewhere, right? Yeah, currently I'm in, in northern Minnesota at our national grouse and, and woodcock hunt. And we get on the woods here the past few days and seeing the transition between the warm weather we had on Wednesday was uh, 80 degrees up here in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. And uh, hunting was hard. Dogs were, were getting tired quick. Uh, hunters were not running into any slight woodcock just yet. But that seems to have changed here in the past 48 hours with this cold front and, and changing weather. Actually, we've got snow on the ground here this morning. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you had snow up there yet. So you're seeing some woodcock. That's good. Yeah, we're seeing definite flight birds coming down now. That's going to bode well for us, I, I believe, next few weeks of the hunting season. And how can you tell they're flight birds? There's a couple of different things that you can look at. When you're out hunting rough grouse and woodcock with your dog, if you're getting into an area you're not really picking up any woodcock or very, very few woodcock, a lot of times those might be resident birds. But if you get into a situation where uh, you're just tripping over woodcock, they're, they're stacked really one on top of the other. That's usually a flight of birds that have come in, uh, landed, uh, a little bit of a stopover. I'll give one instance, not this year, but last year we got into a flight of woodcock where we ended up flushing 47 of them in a, uh, a recent 20-acre clear cut. That's the difference, where you might only pick up uh, just a couple individuals previously in that size of a cut. My understanding is that they fly typically at night, I don't know what size flocks they fly in, but what can you tell us about their migration? They do typically fly at night. We have been learning a lot about woodcock through the Eastern Woodcock Migration Study. The advent of GPS transmitters, we've learned a tremendous amount of data, even about the distance woodcock can travel in a relatively short period of time without stopping over. They could actually travel uh, over 400 miles. It's it's quite astounding how long this little bird can travel for. But that said, you know, habitat is still very, very much important for, for woodcock to have stopover habitat during their migration. So something the Rough Grouse American Woodcock Society does is we look at areas within their migration corridors 
where we can ensure there are respites along their their migration routes to help them in, in that journey. What are they like for resting habitat when they're migrating? Oh, Dan, you're asking me to give away my, my best uh, <laughs> text to hunt. It is a little bit tricky for, for some folks, but I especially target very young stands of, of aspen, where, where most people are, are typically getting out into the rough grouse woods, hunting usually 5- to 15-year-old aspen stands. Woodcock flights really target 2- to 5-year-old aspen cuts, ideally. that That's where folks should be targeting. It points to just also the importance of diversity of age classes or forests as well. We have to have all age classes of forests, especially that extremely young stuff that the, that the woodcock prefer to stop over in. I would also add this morning with the snow on the ground, uh, found quite a few woodcock and young aspen stands that had a mix of balsam fir and spruce in them as well for them to sneak and hide under those balsam fir where there's no snow. When I lived up near Lake Superior and we were looking for flight woodcock, we would try to target north-south running valleys, so little creeks that are in, um, you know, in deep ravines or valleys that ran north and south because our thinking was they cross Lake Superior, they're looking for a place to drop in, and when we found birds, I don't know if that was the right thinking or not. I would say say that that's pretty good advice. Uh, you may not necessarily have to target north-south running creeks, drainages, but areas, too, where, there, where you find tag alder, willow brush, a lot of that young or small diameter woody vegetation. What are you hearing or seeing as far as grouse are concerned? You said the cover has been heavy and it's been warm, but now that things have cooled off, are there are there plenty of birds? Is the cover going to be huntable? I'm hearing fairly positive reports from the field and good observations myself. Good. How is the national hunt going? Going very well. We're, we're winding down here uh, actually today, and participants and donors to the Rough Grouse Society and our members and volunteers are headed home. Well, John, tell us about the national hunt. The national Grouse and Woodcock Hunt is the 40th year that's been going on in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. It's one of RGS's and AWS's major fundraising events during the year. Put on a tremendous amount of help from our local chapter in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, and our, our, our volunteers we have up here. Uh, we invite in uh, a lot of our ma- major donors and get them out with uh, volunteers in, in the community out hunting for two days. And we also do a little bit of research study here. We look at the amount of birds that have been flushed. Uh, we look at the ones that have, have been shot in, in sex, age, and weight, all the birds, and look at uh, things like body condition. And also look at recruitment data we can gather from the birds that are harvested at the national hunt. So it's, it's a little bit of a fundraising scientific event for us. Well, it sounds like a great way to gather data and also to have a good time in the woods. On top of that, raise funds to help support our our mission for healthy and abundant uh, forest habitats and wildlife. Fantastic. Well, John, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again in November. Sounds good, Dan. That was John Steigerwald, Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for the Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies. They are celebrating more than 60 years of habitat improvement for grouse, woodcock, and other wildlife that need young forest habitat. Learn more at roughedgrousesociety.org. I'm Dan Small, more Outdoors Radio, right after this. Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com.
Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. It's no secret that Wisconsin is home to a thriving lake sturgeon population, and most of those fish are in the Lake Winnebago system and the Wolf River. There are populations elsewhere in the state as well. But these are the fish that we're going to focus on today, and Wisconsin has been generous enough to share some of those sturgeon. And joining us now to talk about a sturgeon-sharing project is Dr. Bernie Kuhida. He's an aquatic conservation biologist with the Tennessee Aquarium Conservation Institute in Chattanooga. Well, Bernie, thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Outdoors Radio Network. Now, I just learned about this project from Tom Benson, who is a fellow there at the Tennessee Aquarium who sends regular emails about projects going on. And uh, last week we happened to mention your underwater pumpkin carving, and he said, here's something else you might be interested in. And sure enough, it is of interest to us. So this is a project, I understand, that it's been going on for some time now. Yes, um, even before my time at the uh, Tennessee Aquarium, I've been here 10 years, but way back in 1998, the uh, Tennessee Aquarium, Fish and Wildlife Service, Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency, World Wildlife Fund, and several other partners that I'm probably forgetting about, they got together and they're like, okay, Lake Sturgeon completely disappeared from the Tennessee River in the 1970s due to commercial fishing, water pollution, and poor management of dams on the Tennessee River. Since that happened, the Clean Water Act has cleaned up the water. Tennessee Valley Authority, who manages the dams, improved the water conditions, putting oxygen below the dams and having minimum flows. And the state of Tennessee and all the states in the southeast have made a lake sturgeon state endangered. So three reasons why they disappeared had now improved, or those obstacles had been removed. So they were like, let's try to reintroduce lake sturgeon into the Tennessee River. They used to be in the Coosa River in Georgia, the Tennessee River in Tennessee, and Cumberland River in Kentucky and Tennessee. They were gone from all of those, so where are we going to get broodstock? The healthiest population there is in the United States is right there in the Wolf River. So Wisconsin DNR became a partner, and they went up and did some streamside spawning got some eggs, brought them back to a hatchery here in Georgia, um, Warm Springs National Fish Hatchery, hatched them out, Tennessee Aquarium and other partners grew them out, and in 2000, that was the first release. And this has been going on now for 22 years. We've released about 300,000 lake sturgeon into the Tennessee River, and uh, more than that, also in the Coosa River system in Georgia and the Cumberland River system in Kentucky and Tennessee. So it's a long project, and I can get into why you have to do it for so long, but we could literally not do this without Wisconsin DNR and all the wonderful folks that work in the region in Shawano, Wisconsin, that you know, allow us to come up and take some fertilized eggs from their population and bring them back to the southeast. Those of us who pay attention to sturgeon here in Wisconsin, and there are many, we have a spearing season on Lake Winnebago, as you know, and there's fishing going on right now in other rivers uh, and systems in the state. Those of us who are familiar with sturgeon know that 
they live a long time and it takes a while for them to mature. How are your sturgeon doing and are they at the stage where they can start reproducing? Well, males become reproductive 15 to 20 years. Females, you know, in the north, it's 22 to 33 years. Several agencies have found males with milt running in the springtime. And just this last year, a female running eggs was found in the Coosa River in Georgia. So, and we are right at that 22-year mark. So we likely have our first set of reproductive females swimming around out there. And we know there's reproductive males. So we're really hoping that the tail races below these dams with all the riprap and other rocks and gravel and sand will make great spawning habitat for these fishes and they'll be able to successfully spawn. Our fingers are crossed. What we've discovered about the last 15 years in sturgeon biology is all of our North American sturgeon, the larval sturgeon, sometimes with the yolk sac, sometimes after they absorb their big yolk sac and they just start feeding, they actually get up in the water column and drift downstream. Just like a vulture will get on those upcurrents of wind and just drift forever, not having to flap their wings, these little larval sturgeon get up in the water column and sort of ride the uh, flowing water. Well, we found for other species of sturgeon, if they hit a reservoir and that flow decreases so much, those little larvae don't have enough energy to swim on their own. They settle at the bottom and they die. So we're concerned, is there enough free-flowing river below those dams before you hit the main part of the reservoir for these larvae to drift and form into a juvenile. Luckily for us, lake sturgeon have the shortest larval drift of any North American sturgeon. It's anywhere from 7 to 16 miles. Some of our reservoirs, they're riverine throughout. The larval drift uh, will probably work and will actually have recruitment. Others, maybe not. It just remains to be seen. So there's a lot of moving pieces. Well, at least your project is successful to this point, and now you're at the stage where I hope you'll be able to see whether you're having successful reproduction. Here's a question that, that I've wondered, and I've never asked another sturgeon biologist, but how vulnerable are they to other fish, like crappies uh, or bass, that might want to eat them as they're drifting downstream, or even predatory birds, gulls, and others? They likely are pretty susceptible to predation, but that's why lake sturgeon will release anywhere from 500 to 1,000 eggs every time the female makes a spawning run, and they will do that over an entire day, and you know they may release a quarter million, half a million, one million eggs. Not all those hatch, but a large number do. So, so their life history strategy is put a lot of eggs out there. There's no parental care. You know a lot of offspring are going to get eaten, but you've got so many of them, you'll have a significant number survive to be larger juveniles and sub-adults. What's the ultimate goal of the project? I would presume it's restore a self-sustaining population in the rivers, right? That is the ultimate goal. Um, we do go out in December and sample for the success, and over the past six years, not counting the interruption with COVID, we've collected about 250 sub-adult and adult lake sturgeon. We know they're out there. We get reports from commercial fishers and anglers that there's a lot of sturgeon out there and they're getting pretty big, four and a 
half feet, almost five feet. We think we're going to have the good stock out there to spawn. It's just, you know, will all the um, parameters be in place with the spawning substrate and the water quality and the water flow and the larval drift for it to happen? But that is our ultimate goal. If they can't reproduce, what we'll probably do here in another three or four years is start reducing our stocking level just to mimic recruitment and uh, keep the population going that way. But as you said, Lake Sturgeon, I record, was 152 years old. I was up there this year helping with the spawning, and we had a big female, and they estimated she was about 70 years old. So, you know, it's not like if you miss a year or two of stocking, these guys are going to be gone like a small minnow or dar. These guys are around for a long time. You have a long-term commitment to this recovery process because they do live so long. It gives you a little leeway in your stocking. It's obviously an exciting project for you and your team uh, as aquatic biologists, but what kind of reception have you had from the public? The public loves it. It's big fish. A lot of boaters see them congregating below dams in the spring um, where they are or will shortly be spawning. Anglers love catching them. They know things like everyone knows that their um, state listed is endangered. So they take a picture, let them go, and the state fishing agency here, they encourage people to send in photos, and then they'll actually get a little certificate back from the wildlife resource agency. And so um, a lot of anglers do participate in the program reporting their catches, which just helps us get an idea of where the sturgeon are and how big they are. Well, that's great. I was involved in a similar project here in Wisconsin and I know it's still going on, releasing fish from that same population or, or you know, the eggs uh, from that population raised to fingerling size, released in the Milwaukee River, hoping to uh, create a population in Lake Michigan again. Because uh, like in the south, here in the Milwaukee River, sturgeon were very abundant before our settlement. And, you know, now they're they're gone. But we're bringing them back here, too. People don't realize that the Clean Water Act, which was passed in the mid-1970s, it took a long time to actually gain momentum, but most of our large rivers in the United States are cleaner now than they've been in 50, 60, 70 years. They're in pretty good shape water quality-wise. Well, and the sturgeon, if they do well, that'll be a testament to all the work that went into cleaning up those rivers and restoring the fishery. Bernie, we've got to take a short break here. Will you stay with us and come back and tell us more about your project? Yes, I will. I'm talking with Dr. Bernie Kahida. He is an aquatic conservation biologist with the Tennessee Aquarium Conservation Institute in Chattanooga. I'm Dan Small. We'll be right back with more Outdoors Radio after this. Since our inception, Huntworth has worked relentlessly to incorporate innovative technologies and forward-thinking design into affordable camouflage apparel. Our gear, designed with the Disruption Camel Pattern, utilizes computer-generated graphics featuring a high level of random and abstract visual noise to help you remain undetected in the environment. So whether you need the latest in hunting gear technology or clothing that just simply fits your lifestyle, Huntworth Gear is what you're looking for. HuntworthGear.com. That's HuntworthGear.com. Have more success on the ice with the LiveScope Plus Ice Fishing Bundle LI from Garmin. Drill fewer holes, catch more fish. This portable live sonar bundle comes with the LiveScope Plus system, EchoMap UHD 93SV display, and a lithium battery. 
all packaged in a case making hole hopping a breeze. LiveScope Plus helps you find more fish with improved resolution, reduced noise, clearer images, and better target separation. Fill your freezer with fillets with help from Garmin. Visit Garmin.com or shop your local Garmin dealer today. Flow has made world-class recreational and utility trailers for 40 years, and the industry-leading innovations keep on coming. Choose an all-aluminum UT model or CargoMax, the only utility trailer with a molded polymer bed, integrated sides, and an engineered aluminum frame. With either one, you'll know you don't have just any old trailer. If a new trailer is on your mind, check out floeintl.com. Flow trailers, where the rubber meets the road. Get outside and let us be your guide. Lawrence County, Wisconsin. The fall colors are here. Plan a UTV color ride on the Blue Ox Trails. Hike, ATV, or disc golf to the top of Kai's Peak for a gorgeous vista. Or drive the 33-mile Rustic Road number 74 and fence through the National Forest. For an easy one-mile waterfall hike, try LaSalle Falls. For a more rugged hike, Breakwater Falls is best. For more info, stop by the Visitor Center or go to ExploreFlorenceCounty.com. Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full-service pro shop, a 40-yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit PappasTradingPost.com. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Radio. I'm Dan Small. I'm talking with Dr. Bernie Kahida. He's an aquatic conservation biologist with the Tennessee Aquarium Conservation Institute in Chattanooga, and we're talking about a sturgeon restoration project there in Tennessee. Bernie, what is so special about these fish? What do you like about sturgeon? These guys are living fossils. They swam around with dinosaurs back in the Cretaceous period, 100 million years ago. And fossils from 60 million years ago, they look almost exactly like the sturgeon today, so they really haven't changed. They've got some ancient electric-detecting organs on the underside of their head, just like sharks have. They can actually feel the electricity of their prey buried in the mud or sand, which makes them very effective feeders on top of the whiskers or barbels that they've got right in front of their mouth. They've got taste buds on them, so they taste and feel what's out in front of them, which helps them be really good predators. And they, they just look so cool. They've got those five rows of bony plates along the back and sides. They've got that tail that goes up into the upper limb of the tail fin, like a shark. And um, they're just amazing long-lived creatures. I love them. 
You know, a friend of mine who makes big hats out of foam, and you may have seen him if you've ever watched a Packers game. He He's the frozen tundra man at home games, Jeff Kahlo. He made me a four-foot sturgeon hat one time. Uh, he put That's this, most excellent. Yeah, you know, he put this sturgeon on a straw cowboy hat, and I wore it at banquets and at sports shows for years. I think we finally auctioned it off, and I don't know who has it now, but... Uh, I was just thinking that would be a great costume for Halloween, but I don't have it now. It really would. I'm a Bears fan, so I had a wince a little when you said Packers, but, you know, I'll, I'll get over it. I hope you do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we won't go any farther there. So um... No, no. I, I, I was born and raised in the Chicago area. So ah, okay. Know. Well, that's understandable then, yeah. Well, Bernie, if you've got fish that have been in the river, some of them for 20 years, and you've got young fish going in the river every year, of course, you can tell the difference between the young ones and the old ones uh, by the size of the fish. But otherwise, how do you tell one sturgeon age class from another? Somebody smarter than me came up with a really good idea. So what you do is, like way back in 2000, they removed like the second and third bony plate along the right side. And then the next year, they removed the second and third bony plate on the left side. And they just kept working their way back. And then after 20 years and run out of plates and sides, you uh, start again at the beginning. And so when we recatch a fish that has been stopped, we just count the number of scutes till we found those two missing scutes, look on a chart, and it tells us how old the fish is, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt the fish at all. No, we do that when they're just about six inches long, and they uh, pop off pretty easily, and there's no bleeding or anything. Yeah, they're good to go, and we don't do that, and then release them the next day. We do that several weeks before we release them, so if they are a little upset, they get feeling bad. And how is it that sturgeon have survived so long? They are prehistoric, as you mentioned, um, been around thousands of years, how is it that they survived this long where other dinosaur age creatures are long gone? We think, one, they've spread out across the northern hemisphere worldwide, and so they're just not found in one small place. And number two, they just have a slow metabolism. They don't get that excited. We actually have a lake sturgeon touch tank. And hundreds, sometimes thousands of people a day will go through and touch these fish, and they're just fine. They're just chilled. So I guess if you're chilled, you live underwater in deep water, and you're found across the northern hemisphere, you can survive a meteor hit to Earth that killed all the dinosaurs. Wow. And you say you have some there in the aquarium. If people were to visit Chattanooga, could they see these fish? Yes, we have them in our Tennessee River and we also have a touch tank where you can literally take two fingers and touch three-foot-long lake sturgeon. They swim around this tank. Now, we're renovating that space, um, and it's closed till March 2023, but it'll be a tank that'll be two and a half times bigger for people to touch lake sturgeon. Well, that gives us time to plan a trip. So, folks, if you want to touch a lake sturgeon and you haven't had a chance here in Wisconsin, you can go to Chattanooga and do it in March and see a bunch of other cool freshwater fishes, too. 
Well, Bernie, thanks so much for sharing information on this project and your enthusiasm is very palpable. I wish you the best of luck with this year's crop of sturgeon and with those that are in the rivers now. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure being on your program. Well, thanks so much for joining us and uh, we'll keep tabs on those fish and maybe talk to you again in a couple of years. Dr. Bernie Kahida is an aquatic conservation biologist with the Tennessee Aquarium Conservation Institute in Chattanooga. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Get outside and let us be your guide. Lawrence County, Wisconsin. The fall colors are here. Plan a UTV color ride on the Blue Ox Trails. Hike ATV or disc golf to the top of Kai's Peak for a gorgeous vista. Or drive the 33-mile Rustic Road number 74 and fence through the National Forest. For an easy one-mile waterfall hike, try LaSalle Falls. For a more rugged hike, Breakwater Falls is best. For more info, stop by the Visitor Center or go to exploreflawrencecounty.com. Flow has made world-class recreational and utility trailers for 40 years, and the industry-leading innovations keep on coming. Choose an all-aluminum UT model or CargoMax, the only utility trailer with a molded polymer bed, integrated sides, and an engineered aluminum frame. With either one, you'll know you don't have just any old trailer. If a new trailer is on your mind, check out floeintl.com. Flow trailers, where the rubber meets the road. Have more success on the ice with the LiveScope Plus Ice Fishing Bundle LI from Garmin. Drill fewer holes, catch more fish. This portable live sonar bundle comes with the LiveScope Plus system, Echomap UHD 93SV display, and a lithium battery. All packaged in a case making hole hopping a breeze. LiveScope Plus helps you find more fish with improved resolution, reduced noise, clearer images, and better target separation. Fill your freezer with fillets with help from Garmin. Visit Garmin.com or shop your local Garmin dealer today. Since our inception, Huntworth has worked relentlessly to incorporate innovative technologies and forward-thinking design into affordable camouflage apparel. Our gear, designed with the disruption camo pattern, utilizes computer-generated graphics featuring a high level of random and abstract visual noise to help you remain undetected in the environment. So whether you need the latest in hunting gear technology or clothing that just simply fits your lifestyle, Huntworth Gear is what you're looking for. HuntworthGear.com. That's HuntworthGear.com. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN. RGS. You wait quietly, but you're getting impatient. It's been two hours and still nothing. You hear it. It's close. You see movement, but you sit tight because safe hunting is no accident. With all different hunting seasons open, your fellow hunters could be in a stand, on the ground, or in a blind. Do not shoot at movement. Be aware of what's in front of your target and what is beyond it. Wisconsin DNR. Adventures and memories. Enjoy Wisconsin's wild side. The Midwest's largest fishing website, lake-link.com, is your online fishing resource. 90% of Lake Link's features are yours to use free of charge. And members get access to Lake Link's online lake map library, lets you get GPS coordinates of any spot on the lake, and export waypoints to your onboard electronics. Members also get free outdoor classified ads, discounts on online store merchandise, and a whole lot more. 
You can also listen to Outdoors Radio 24-7 on Lake Link. Listen to this week's show, catch any of our past shows, subscribe to our podcast, or even sign up for our weekly e-newsletter so you'll know in advance what's coming up right here. Just type in the keyword radio. See what you've been missing. Log on to lake-link.com today. That's lake-link.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Kelm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. And they've got your winterizing supplies in stock, and they'll they'll even do it for you, Dan. You don't have to do it all yourself. You can check out their website and Facebook page for details on that. Uh, we're also brought to you by Huntworth Gear, high-tech camo wear at a price you can afford, huntworthgear.com. And they don't have to do it for me this year, and you won't be storing my boat because oh, I'm that's actually, right. yeah. yeah, I'm getting a new one next year. But that means I've got to clean this one up and get it back over to West Bend. Uh, I just ran out of time. I would have taken it this past week, but uh, Brian called me like 10 minutes before I left, and he said, hey, can you bring the boat over? And I said, mm, not today. <laughs> anyway, well, <laughs> if you missed our TV show, Outdoor Wisconsin, you can watch past episodes at milwaukeepbs.org. We are in production with Deer Hunt Wisconsin 2022. It's going to air November 10th on a whole bunch of stations. I'll have a complete schedule on my Facebook page, Dan Small Outdoors. The radio show you're listening to right now can be downloaded and taken with you throughout your week. Go to lake-link.com. Go to the outdoor radio page and download this show and past shows right there. You can follow Dan on social media at Dan Small Outdoors. Find me at Hardwater Jeff. One calendar item for, for you this week, folks. DNR is hosting a public meeting to gather feedback on the future management of salmon and trout in Lake Michigan. That's coming up Monday October 24th, this coming Monday, 6 p.m. at the Lakeshore Technical College in the Centennial Hall West, and that's in Cleveland, Cleveland, Wisconsin, not the other Cleveland. You can attend in person or by Zoom. You can register online on the DNR website. Just search for Lake Michigan Fisheries Meeting. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. You can hear more of his tunes at warrennelson.com. You can also purchase his CD, Anglin Wayne and the Trollers, and by the way, the Trollers and Wayne himself, Warren Nelson, will be performing at Brad Bowen's sixth annual Muskie Ball in Tony, Wisconsin, on November 5th. So check out Brad's Facebook page for that. Well, Jeff, happy birthday. You have a milestone oh, you, birthday Dan. coming up. I'm not going to tell folks what it is, but uh, if you care to. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine. Uh, I'm going to be 40, yeah, this, uh, this weekend here. So... Um... I don't have any special plans. Uh, I kind of wish I, I always like bow hunting on my birthday, but you know, 60, 70 degrees, I'll pass this time around. I'll wait till next weekend. Yeah. Well, enjoy it. Whatever you do, as you know, uh, my birthday was last weekend and I'm not quite double your age, but boy, I'm getting pretty <laughs> close. And, uh, yes, October is a great month, not just because you and I have birthdays there, but, uh, I think we all enjoy it. So, folks, uh, enjoy this great weekend. Get outside and be sure to join us next week once again for Outdoors Radio. Oh, how I love leaving the shore behind. When the cool night swallows the moose's nose. 
and the heron is fishing on one cold leg when the loon cries lover in the blue north wind I'll be trolling home to you When my wrist gets a little chilly On the gunnel When my lazy Ike is just too lazy to lure When the worms go dry Coffee can, honey. 